Welcome to episode 11 of the Between the Mics podcast. I am one half of your team, Ty Ferguson. And I'm the other half, Austin Smith. And we're coming to you today to recap last Saturday's matchup with the South Carolina Gamecocks and look forward to the final game in Sanford Stadium for the 2020 season this Saturday against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say um, last Saturday's game, for me at least, was the best performance I've seen Georgia put on the field so far this year. Maybe the Auburn game would be the only one that could maybe pale in comparison to this last week. Um, complete domination up front on the offensive line. After it, We really had a bounce-back week up front, running the ball at will on South Carolina, over 300 yards, three running backs with over 75 yards. And, the I mean, the fourth running back, Dejon Edwards, I mean, he ran the ball really, really successfully all night. So you had to be pleased with the way that Georgia really committed to the run following eight-yard performance against Mississippi State. Another stellar performance for JT Daniels, two touchdowns. Had to pick, but I don't really put that all on him. Ball kind of got bobbled, tip drill. I mean, those aren't always going to fall on the quarterback, so no fault of his own there. You really have to like the way Georgia's offenses came together these last few weeks moving forward towards the end of the year and going into next season, which we both agreed could be a really special year offensively for Georgia. Yeah, and the the last two games you kind of touched on it have been uh, a tale of two different uh, games for us. The uh, game against Mississippi State, uh, the run game was locked down, so we had to go mm-hmm. to the air. And uh, JT uh, and our receivers came out and won that game for us. And then last week it was uh, the exact opposite. Uh, not necessarily that the pass game struggled, just that we didn't even ever have to revert to it. Uh, our offensive line was dominant against what was honestly a very depleted yeah. South Carolina uh, front seven, uh, which we took advantage of. Uh, I mean, as Kirby touched on in his post-game uh, conference, we have injuries all across I mean, our team as well, and we're de- dealing with COVID too. So, you know, it's not like they're the only team who's having to deal with that. We're having to deal with that, and uh, our offensive line – uh, took advantage of, uh, like I said, what was a very uh, depleted front seven, but it was still a heck of a performance. Yeah, and our our running backs, uh, they all averaged crazy yardage this week. If you look, I know James averaged over 17 a carry. Zamir, uh, he averaged over uh, six and a half. Kenny was uh, up close to nine. Dejon Edwards, who saw almost all of the action in the fourth quarter, he averaged five and a half. Uh, and that was mostly a testament to our offensive line. James was running pretty much like he didn't get touched what seemed like the whole entire game. He was either running out of bounds or running for a touchdown. Uh, and he was so awesome to finally see us take advantage of his speed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, anytime you have four running backs that run for over 75 yards, it's a good night. I mean, you touched on it. James Cook went for 104, Zamir for 84, Kenny 79, and Dejon on 77. But the thing is, like none of them had over 15 touches. I mean, 14 was the highest, and that was Dejon Edwards. And nine or ten of them came on that last that eight-minute drive in the fourth quarter to close the game out. So that's the big thing for me is it was explosive runs. Uh, James, as long as was 44, we had a 22 and a 32. I mean, it was just explosive runs all night long, just carving up the South Carolina defense, and on the vast majority of them. They were, like you said, they were untouched. I mean, just completely burst through the line. No one touched them until they were five yards down the field. And that's just a testament to the offensive line and how well they played. 
They were really challenged last week against Mississippi State, eight yards rushing. Everyone knew coming into this game, we were going to run the ball. This is That's who we are at Georgia, no matter who's standing behind the center. We're going to run the ball. I mean, that's it's just a fact. So the way – South Carolina knows that just the way that we came into this game, determined to do it, and just imposed our will and did it, is really impressive to me. Yeah, that was probably the worst timing for South Carolina because we're coming off that bad yeah. uh, like rushing performance in our prior game, and then they're so depleted up front. So that was pretty much uh, hell waiting to happen yeah. for them. And then we had some guys coming back, like mm-hmm. Kenny, and he came back and had a great game. It was I love the way he runs. I love the way he's ran all year. He has great vision. And to me, he kind of reminds me of Swift, not necessarily the way he runs, but just the fact that he has – both agility and power. Yeah. This was the first time since Alabama he's been fully healthy, and he looked really, really good, just like he did against Tennessee and all the games prior to the Alabama game. He ran hard. He never gave up on runs. I know there was one where I think we ran a a zone play to the left. It wasn't there. He turned around and bent it back to the right side, ended up getting like 15 yards on it on just a crazy cutback. Um, He has great vision, runs the ball hard, I'd love for him to continue getting more touches going forward. Um, But just the stable that we have at running back and that we're going to have at running back, because I don't foresee any of them going anywhere. Well, yeah, and then, you know, and then Kendall is coming, is going to be coming back. We'll have Kendall Milton just adding to that. Who might end up being the best guy out of all of them. And we've got five running backs right now who I would be really confident in giving 15 touches a game to. I mean, that's, that's insane to say. The one thing that I do want to touch on, though, is like in the fourth quarter, it was really impressive to see our young offensive line step up. We touched on the starters. We know what they are. But just in the fourth quarter on that last drive, Cedric Rompron, Clay Webb, Broderick Jones got a little bit of time. Warren McClendon was out there. They were making holes. They were getting pushed. They were driving South Carolina just out of the way, letting Dejan Edwards just run free through the South Carolina defense. That leads me, gives me a lot of confidence and for the future of our offensive line. We've we've touched on the outside guys. We know we're young at the skill positions at receiver. We know we're loaded at running back. But with Sam Pittman leaving, it was a big question mark. How is Matt Luke going to continue recruiting at the high level that Sam Pittman did? Well, he went out last year. He got Broderick Jones. He closed it on Tate Rattledge. He closed yeah, who, did, who didn't play. And yeah. that's that's even more encouraging. We yeah. have some other guys back there who didn't even get playing time. Yeah, closed out Cedric Rompron's recruitment. When, when Sam Pittman left, it was a foregone conclusion to almost everyone that Cedric Rompron was going to flip, go to LSU, go to Alabama. He wasn't going to come to Georgia after his main recruiter left. Well, he did. And he's going to be a big part of what we're going to be in the future. He's going to slide right in. When Trey Hill leaves, he'll slide right into that center spot. It's his natural position. It's what he was recruited to play. I'm super excited to see the future of our offensive line and just how they grow. Because, I mean, it's an important position. And Georgia's got a really good one coming up. Yeah, I mean, and then getting back a little bit to the veterans, you know, we touched on how great they played. And, you know, most notable was Ben Cleveland, who, mm-hmm. you know, won an award this week for how well he played. But it was also incredibly encouraging to see the way Schaefer uh, came uh, yeah. and bounced back. He had yeah. a pretty bad performance against mm-hmm. Mississippi State. He was getting called out online, and then he came out this week and he had a dominant performance. Mm-hmm. Albeit, like we said, it was against a depleted front. Can't stress that enough. But you can you can't control who you're lining up against. You can only control your performance. And he came out and showed out. Yeah. 
So we also got another pretty solid performance from JT. He wasn't asked to do a lot. 10 completions on 16 attempts, uh, 140 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, but he was in command of the offense is the big thing for me. He made some plays. He had he had the uh, the touchdown to Trayvon Kitty, hit the long pass to Trayvon Kitty, and obviously the touchdown to Arian Smith, where Arian Smith just looked like a blur. I mean, just yeah. right through the defense. Um, so it, I just I like seeing JT in his second start. We didn't have to rely on as rely on him as much. He was in command of the offense. Never tried to force anything. Had one bad throw where probably should have been picked off. Um, Deion Sanders' kid for South Carolina jumped in front of it, dropped it. Should have been an interception. Um, Which makes up for the one that yeah. was intercepted that probably shouldn't have been. Yeah. But that was fluky. So he ended up getting the stats that he deserved yeah. uh, on the night. But, yeah, like you said, it wasn't very statistically noteworthy. But it's just his third down prowess. Mm-hmm. You feel like he has a great command of the huddle. And then he gets the ball to the playmakers. And – we now have the vertical threat mm-hmm. that as long as the threat's there, he doesn't even have to be realized. It just has to have the potential, and that's enough to keep – like that's going to be incredible for our team next year yeah. to open up our run game. Yeah, I Because we've never had that. Yeah. Um, Probably since Stafford. It's been that long. Yeah. it's it's Honestly, I think it would be Stafford since we've had a quarterback who could truly – just have an elite arm stretch the field vertically. I mean, Aaron Murray, as good as he was, I mean, it that's, wasn't that's his, not who he it wasn't was. it wasn't his style of game. Georgia's always been the pro style West Coast offense. We're going to have crossers. We're going to have comebacks. We're going to have hitches. It's going to be ten yard outs. It's going to be these methodical passing plays. Every now and again, we'll occasionally take a shot, but it's never been to the degree that we're doing it now. This is the first year in. I can I can ever say since I've watched Georgia football, we're a vertical offense. It's more downfield routes. It's more um, shot plays. It's just we're trying to get the ball deep vertically to really expand the defense and truly open up more running lanes. It's something that I think we could have utilized a little bit more, especially in 2018. Obviously, in 2017, we had Nick and Sony. Pound the rock, give it to him every single play. 2018, Jake Fromm's second year, he had some guys on the outside. I mean, Jake played pretty well in 2018 when he had Riley, he had me, Cole, he had Isaac, and all those guys that left early, which led to what we looked like last year. Um, I think we could have been this type of offense in 2018 with Jake. I don't think Jake, for where he was in 2019, I don't think he was as bad as everyone made him out to be. I just don't think he had the guys around him to make him look as good as he did. But I'm really encouraged to see the way we're playing on offense now. I think JT is an X factor. I think he's a game changer at quarterback. He's the first time since Aaron Murray we've not had a game manager back there. He's the best quarterback since Aaron Murray. Non-debatable, no matter what. It's him. Yeah, well, I mean, and I think what we're seeing here is you know, you touched on you wish we'd have had this type of offense in 2018, but I think we're seeing just the perfect – you know, serendipitous moment right here of we got the right OC mm-hmm. who comes from an air raid background, uh, which, you know, the fan base was clamoring for because of how stagnant our offense has been the last couple of years, uh, One uh, once considering uh, the talent that we had. Because even when we had all those guys in 2018, our offense wasn't putting up incredible numbers. We fired our OC at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So that has to tell you something about the way that the performance was. And then 
So you've got a new OC who's known for throwing the ball downfield, and then you finally got a guy who can – he's had – JT's had multiple throws this year that, where the ball has traveled over 50 yards in the air. Never saw that with Jake. Anytime I, you had a deep pass from Jake, it was always a back shoulder throw to make the wide receiver go up. He'd just throw it to the deep outside where the cornerback couldn't get it, and, hey, you go up and make this play. It was Wims his first year. Then it became Holloman, and then it, that's that was the only way he could throw deep, and that, and you don't have that with JT. He could throw guys open, and then you now have these absolute studs at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, Riley was great. McColl was great. George is in a different atmosphere than yeah. those guys. Yep. Jermaine seems like he's going to be in that same atmosphere as George. Mm-hmm. And then we got these other speed demons like Arian Smith are coming up. Yeah. So it's just the perfect coalition at the right time. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it just makes you really excited. We don't have a ton to play for this year, mm-hmm. except for pride in a great bowl game. But it makes you incredibly excited about next year. Yeah, you you touched on it the, the just the influx of talent we've had at the wide receiver position. Um, obviously, we've got Jermaine and Arian, George, Kieris, guys like that. Rosimi. Rosimi. It's Kirby Smart. I think he's the ultimate CEO. I think he's. I mean, Nick Saban is an awesome, awesome roster manager. He's done it for years. I think Kirby Smart is getting right there up there with him at managing a roster. He can see where we're where we're really strong. He knows where we're weak. Last year we were weak at wide receiver. I mean, bar, I mean that's why I, I attribute 70% of Jake Fromm's struggles last year to inexperience at wide receiver and just flat out just not having the talent that's needed to compete at a high level in the SEC. Kirby saw that, and it's and it's all because of early enrollees, their early departures. Riley left, Miko left, Isaac Nada left. Those are three NFL players right there. Jermaine Holloway kicked off the team in the middle of the summer. That was Jake's favorite target. I mean, he was going to play in the NFL. I could say that Jermaine was on his way to an NFL career. He was dominating SEC defenses. Um, so when you lose guys like that, obviously you're going to have a poor wide receiver core. Kirby saw that and he went out and he addressed it last year. He signed Rosemi, he signed Arian Smith, he signed uh, Jermaine Burton. Those are, those are three impact guys and they're, they've all made an impact for Georgia at some point during the season and they're going to continue to do so in the future. And that just, it's so exciting to think about what our offense is going to be like when you pair the emergence and wide receivers, the stable of running backs we've got, we've already touched on and now we've got the quarterback to piece in there with them. I mean, the only team that should be able to stop us is ourselves. I mean, it shouldn't – We with the guys we have on paper, we should match up with anyone. Yeah, we didn't even touch on the fact that there's rumors that Demetrius might be coming back, mm-hmm. and he's been emerging. It seems like JT gets the ball over mm-hmm. his way a little bit more than uh, past quarterbacks has or have. And then Blaylock's going to be coming back next yeah. year, theoretically. So it's almost going to be an embarrassment of riches – on which guys are going to be lining up. George is going to be the absolute staple, and it seems like Burton is going to be the absolute staple on the other side. But we can yeah. see plenty of other dudes filling in from time to time. Yeah. Uh, when you touch on the defense a little bit, it has been kind of disappointed, uh, disappointing <clears throat> over the last couple of weeks. We are yeah. definitely riddled with injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a, a guy come back this week in Julian Rochester. Uh, we were still missing Jordan Davis. Uh, he should be back this upcoming week. Uh, yeah. He was warming up uh, prior to the game. Uh, Richard LeCount, uh, don't know if he's going to be back this year. And that is probably the biggest loss. He was the 
you know, the leader of our defense. He was uh, an All-American coming in. Mm-hmm. But it's still disappointing when we have Stokes and Tyson Campbell mm-hmm. out there on the outside that a freshman is able to go 18 of 22 against us. Mm-hmm. And it just feel like we can't really get anything going. Yeah, I agree. I mean, 18 to 22, I would have liked to have forced him into a little bit more pressures. But, I mean, he was averaging 8.6 yards per throw. Um, that's it's not what you want to see, especially with how depleted South Carolina was. The big thing that stuck out to me the most about our defense last week was just the poor tackling. I mean, missed tackles in space, uh, broken tackles. There was one play in the first half where South Carolina was going for it on fourth and fourth and two on their own side of the field. I thought surely to God we had him stopped, and the guy got it on second effort because we just either gave up or just let go of him. I mean, just haven't tackled well. And I attribute – I mean, it's it's been – it's not young guys. It's really not been tackling that well. I mean, Monty Rice missed a few tackles last week. Aziz missed a few tackles. Quay Walker was missing tackles in the open field. It's just you can't make those plays and expect to play at the elite level. And we were making those plays in the first half of the year. I know Monty's been banged up a little bit throughout the year. He's been dealing with a foot injury, so he may not be moving as well as he was in the beginning of the season. So that might have something to do with it. He's trying to play through an injury. We don't know. I don't know how he feels, but I know he's been missing some plays. Kevin Harris had a pretty successful day for South Carolina. I mean, he was running the ball hard. We touched on it last week. He was. We knew he was a good running back. He was their bell cow and was going to get the ball a lot. So that's what stuck out to me was just missed tackles. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of missed tackles off of catches. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we, we did pretty good against their – uh, mm. against their run game. I think they only averaged like just under two yards per carry. Mm. But our linebackers in space. That Nick Muse guy, that tight end they had. Was yeah, he, us he, up. Uh, he abused us. Eight uh, catches for 131, 16 and a half yards of a- or average catch. So, I mean, that's too much. That's definitely, it's become evident over the last few weeks that our biggest mm-hmm. weakness, I would say, would be our linebackers. Uh, in coverage, yeah, and that, uh, and that I think that's our biggest weakness in our overall team, not yeah. just on defense. I think if you were to say what's the biggest weakness uh, with Georgia, I would say it's our linebackers covering tight ends and the slot guys in space yeah. and running backs out of the backfield. Yeah, I agree. I mean, tight ends have abused us this year. Kyle Pitts abused everyone, but he had a successful day until Lewis C knocked him out. I mean, yeah, and then once he and then once he got out, they abused us with their running backs on yeah. those wheel routes. So, yeah. so uh, and it was just it was another day of that. But overall, it was a, a dominant performance. Yeah. We were in control from the from the get-go all the way to the end. Uh, and like we touched on at the beginning, they were depleted. But you can't control who they have coming up. You can only control how they, they can how you play against them. A lot of times, Georgia in the past will play down to their opponent. It was nice to see yeah. that not be the case this past yeah. weekend. We, we touched on it last week. When we previewed the South Carolina game, what me and you both said – we wanted to come out. We wanted to take control, set the tone, and just cruise. That is exactly what we did. Georgia opened the first quarter. Our first three drives, three touchdowns. Zamir White, touchdown. Trayman Kitty, touchdown. James Cook, touchdown. The game was over at that point. I mean, we ended the game in the first quarter. There was no doubt. And that's exactly what you wanted to see after what they did to us in Sanford Stadium last year. You wanted to come out, set the tone, hit them in the mouth from the very beginning, and that's exactly what Georgia did. So I think it was our best performance of the year so far for me. 
Um, I don't know about you. I, I was really encouraged to see the way we played, and I'm excited to see how the team continues to grow going into these last two games and in the bowl game, which hopefully is still New Year's Six. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it will be as long as we – I mean, these last two games are games that we should win. Mm. We're coming up against Vandy, and to be honest, I mean, we're favored by 34-and-a-half, and I honestly think we'll cover that. Yeah. Vandy hasn't won a game this year. They've been blown out on most occasions. Uh, and there, it's not like there's been any continual progress for them over yeah. the, uh, throughout the year. Yeah, no. Uh, and they just fired their head coach. That's That won't be – that's not going to yeah. help. Fired so. Derek Mason uh, back-to-back weeks that George is going to be playing against the interim head coach. Vandy struggles at just about every single spot on the field. I don't think you could point out I – don't, I don't think you can find a single position on the field that Vanderbilt versus Georgia, Vanderbilt has the edge. There's not. I mean – No, there never should be. No. With the way we, we recruit. That would, it would be embarrassing if <laughs> it's, Last week against Missouri was honestly the first time I've watched more than five minutes of a Vanderbilt game. I think it's the more, unless you're a Vanderbilt fan, I hope that it's the first time (laughs) anyone has watched more than five minutes of a Vanderbilt game after the way they looked. I mean, everyone was tuned in to watch Sarah Fuller. They wanted to see, hey, first girl to ever play in a Power 5 college football game. Yeah, they they didn't even get her in field goal range. They didn't get in the field goal range one time. I mean, that's just that blows my mind that you can't get down there one time. They had a, we had a historic moment waiting to happen, and their offense wouldn't allow it was allow them to make it. Absolutely putrid watching them try to play offense. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. They couldn't block. It, and then on, I mean, on defense, this is a this is a front seven that allows 188 rushing yards a game. Coming off the performance that we just had, I don't know if JT's going to throw. 20 passes. No. I would I would expect to see a game plan similar to what we did against South Carolina then Saturday. I, JT will probably have around 10 or 12 completions again. I think it's another 250, 300-yard rushing day. Zamir's going to have a big day. Dejan, uh, Kenny McIntosh, and James will probably have some more carries, more big explosive runs. Well, and then, sorry to cut you off, but – it's also senior night, yeah. so it's an emotional uh, night. That's going to be – a lot of times when you have these type of games, it's hard to get up for them. Mm-hmm. But with it being senior night, I don't think that's going to be something that happens. I think the seniors are going to come out to play, and then yeah. the rest of the guys are going to come out to play for the seniors. Yeah. So I don't think this is going to be one of those games where we don't come prepared. Yeah, no, we're going to we're going to come we out. We want to send the seniors off with a good game. So. You, know, you never want to lose your last game at home. I mean, from experience, you don't want – I mean, I played football, and you losing your last home game is not something that's fun. So I expect Georgia to come out similar to the way we get at South Carolina. We're going to punch Vandy in the mouth. We're going to get up big, and we're going to coast. Like you said, the line right now is 34-and-a-half. I think we're going to beat them by more than that because I don't know how Vanderbilt can score, and I don't think they can stop our run. We're clicking at a, a season high on offense right now. This It's the wrong time to be catching us. Um, so I think we're going to really, really give it to Vanderbilt Saturday. So what are – you know, we both seem like uh, – we both feel pretty confident about this game. What mm-hmm. are some things then that you want to see outside of a, a win? Uh, 250 yards rushing. I want to see us continue to devote to the run, run the ball. Everybody knows we're going to do it. 
I don't care. I still want to see us establish the run. Uh, no turnovers. That would be a big thing for me. Um, place clean football. Um, and honestly, I'd love to see us get a shutout. I mean, play sound defense, tackle in space, just cover their wide receivers and rush the passer. I'd love to see the seniors get to go out in Sanford Stadium with a shutout. I mean, that would be really, really exciting to see us not let Vanderbilt score. So those are the three things that I would love to see happen on Saturday. What about, yeah. what about you? I mean, I th- uh, kind of touching on the clean football, I, I don't feel like there's been many games this year where we've been the less penalized team. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I felt like has been consistent throughout Kirby's tenure is that when it comes to penalties, I've always felt like we've been a little undisciplined. It'd be nice to see a a game where we don't commit very many penalties. And a lot of times our defense gets put in these rough situations by these dumb penalties that we commit, mm-hmm. I feel like, on third down, just like nonstop. Uh, so I'd like to see a game – I'd like to see us have less penalties than Vanderbilt. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd, I'd, I would like to see a couple of deep bombs from JT early. Uh, just yeah. – we, we're pretty confident that we're going to get the win this week. Yeah. Yeah. So, I want us kind of start preparing for next year. I'd like to see just a couple of deep bombs early while we're not in a like a huge lead, so it's not any sort of like running up the score, and we know the run game's going to be there the whole entire game. So it'd be nice to see a couple of deep completions just to see him show off the arm yeah. and get that excitement there uh, for the game. And then, you know, a shutout would be nice. Uh, it'd also be kind of cool uh, for Sarah Fuller. Uh, to get in field goal range to see that line up. Of course, at the same time, you don't really want history being made against you. So yeah. I'm kind of torn on that. But it would be cool to see her uh, line up for a field goal, and that would be a pretty cool moment to happen in Sanford Stadium. Yeah. So that's pretty much uh, the all I'm looking for outside of a dominant win. Yeah. Just uh, get the win, close out the 2020 home season in a good way, and let's move on towards – Missouri next Saturday. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing. This is one of the first years in a while where we're not playing or we're not looking forward to an SEC championship. Yeah, but, I agree. Uh, it's still – we're at the point now where we're looking towards next year, and so we want to see some progress being made uh, at, in areas that we could improve on. Yeah, I agree. So let's get into our picks. This Saturday's games, obviously all season – You've kind of had the upper hand on me. You've been doing a lot better than me. We touched on it last week. I had a pretty good week last week. I closed the gap a little You've bit. You've had a pretty good last few weeks. So on the season, I'm 18 and 23 against the spread. Austin right now is sitting at 19 and 22. So I closed the gap on him because last week you were you were beating me pretty good. So we've already touched on it. This week's games, we've got UGA and Vanderbilt. UGA is favored by 34 and a half. We've, I've said we're going to cover. I don't think Vanderbilt can score on us, and I think our offense really clicking right now. So I see us covering the 34, and it, they could probably give me another point or two, and I still would think I'd go with it. It's always hard for me on 30-point uh, yeah. spreads. I mean, no, no matter who it is, and especially knowing who we are is uh, mm-hmm. with Kirby as our coach, I feel like there in the second half we typically slow things down, try to milk the clock, mm-hmm. uh, play a respectful game towards the other head coach. Yeah. But – I do think that we'll get out to a very dominant first half, and I, I do think that we'll cover that. So the next game we got, we've got Arkansas versus Missouri. Missouri right now is sitting at a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, you said you hate the 34-point spreads. 
Well, I hate the three-point spreads. They are almost impossible to pick. They could go either way. At that point, it feels like you're pretty much picking out right. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to pick Missouri. I think Missouri's playing well right now. Uh, Arkansas's best running back, Rakeem Boyd, opted out of the remainder of the season this year. So I'm going to go Missouri. They're playing good. Just came off a dominant win against Missouri or Vanderbilt. And they're playing at home, so home team prevails. Uh, I think Missouri's going to win, but uh, I'm going to say that they don't cover. It's just by a couple of points. Close game. So, gotcha. uh, yeah, I'm going to have uh, Arkansas cover on that. Next, we've got A&M at Auburn. A&M right now is sitting a seven-point favorite. Uh, how do you feel about this one? This feels like the lock of the week uh, to me. I don't, like Auburn just got demolished by Bama. A&M had a what was an off week for them, but they still won by 13 against LSU. They're one of the top teams in the country. Just these two programs on are going two completely different directions mm-hmm. at the moment. So I'm going to say this is a very easy A&M cover, and that would be my lock of the week. Yeah, uh, we're both feeling the same way. Auburn got absolutely throttled by Alabama on Saturday. Yeah, the most boring Iron Bowl in a while. A&M had their letdown. They won their let. I mean, A&M played bad against LSU, but they still won. I don't think they're going to play bad two weeks in a row. I think they're going to bounce back. Jimbo will have their offense ready to go. I think they cover, and I would honestly – that's my lock as well. I mean – I don't see how Auburn could. I don't see an avenue where Auburn could win this game. So. Of course, our next our next game seems like a lot too. Yeah. So, with that said, the next game, Florida at Tennessee. Um, unfortunately, Florida has a chance to clinch their first SEC East title since 2016 uh, with a win on Saturday in Neyland Stadium. Florida's favored by 17. And as much as I hate to say it, I think they're gonna cover it. I think oh they're going to beat Tennessee on Saturday. They're going to win the East. Who did Tennessee pay? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand how the line is only 17. Tennessee, I mean, they haven't played in three weeks. They're not playing well. And when they were playing, yeah, it wasn't yeah, pretty. They... Garantano was in full Guantanamo. Mode. Yeah. Tennessee, with as much hype and aspirations as they had coming into the season, they were so optimistic about Jeremy Pruitt. I think if you talk to most Tennessee fans, the feelings of, that they have about him right now are the complete opposite. A lot of people are starting to hop off the train, questioning if he's the man for the job. There's a lot of uncertainty surrounding Tennessee right now, and there's a lot of confidence with Florida right now with the way their offense is playing. Trask is probably the Heisman favorite. I don't think there's a single person in the country that can cover Kyle Pitts. I think Florida's going to win really big yeah and, and Tennessee seems like they're kind of like the same story as us just to a much lesser degree mm-hmm. where it shows you how important the quarterback position is mm-hmm. we had playoff aspirations mm-hmm. but those were derailed because of our quarterback play and it just showed we were like LSU of the last decade just where that was the one position holding us back Tennessee is trying to get back to relevance to be a like a contending team that battles the top teams in the division and eventually is one of those teams but their quarterback brought them back down to earth. And he can't – that's the most important position on the field, and you can't have someone who's that bad try to mask – or try to cover for the rest of the team. Yeah. So, so yeah, we both, we're both in agreement. Florida by more than 17 against Tennessee on Saturday. Yeah. Next we've got Kentucky versus South Carolina. Kentucky right now is sitting at an 11.5-point favorite. I do not think that the Wildcats are going to cover – 
I think South Carolina is going to bounce back, and I think Kentucky wins, but not by twelve points. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Finally, we've got Bama at LSU. Um, Bama is favored by twenty nine points in Death Valley, um, and I think they're going to cover. Bama's covered every single spread like this all year. I've been picking them to not cover every single spread like this all year. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. They've had those huge spreads against like Kentucky, uh, and it'll be like 35-point spreads, and it's very hard to pick that, but they've covered it every single time, and so I've learned my lesson. Yeah. And now they're not going to do it, but I'm going to say that they're going to cover that. LSU hasn't been the same team as they were last year. It's been a – uh, completely different team. Yeah. And the way Bama's playing, I think they're the best team in the country. I mean, Clemson uh, is probably a – I wouldn't even say that close of a second. It's it's very clearly right now Bama, a couple of spots, Clemson, then everybody else. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, LSU, uh, definitely not what they were last year. They changed quarterbacks three times on Saturday. They started the Finley kid, pulled him for their other freshman quarterback, pulled him, went back to Finley. Their best receiver, Terrace Marshall, opted out yesterday. It, the writing is on the wall for a huge, huge, huge Bama win, and I'm all over it. They're going to cover 29. So I think that is going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Um, looking forward to another game between the hedges on Saturday. Always nice to play at home. Um, hopefully send the seniors out on a really, really good note. I'd love to see a shutout, but I definitely expect a dominant win on Saturday. Yeah, same. Well, as always, go dogs. Go dogs.